Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Old Testament reading from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And they shall dwell secure, for he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Here ends the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our devotion title today, concerning this passage from the Lord of the prophecy of Micah, Sinners humbly acknowledge him. But you, O Bethlehem and Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Boy, I have to tell you, being the little guy is rough in our world. They always get picked last for the flag football or kickball games. They are sneered at on the football field. People make short people jokes about them. No one expects much from them or asks for much from them because they are just plain little. Now, this can also apply to the odd people, the awkward people, the people that may be in the minority culture in the bigger group or just the plain quiet people. They're not average, so they are, innocently enough, but quite organically, marginalized by most everybody. But oh, how many tales are there about the little, odd, awkward, quiet minority individual that rises to great heights to accomplish amazing feats that the tales of their heroics all start with their humble beginnings? So begins today's lesson in tiny Bethlehem of Ephrathah. And it just doesn't get any humbler than this. And even though we know the king of the universe born there, it remains a humble little village to this day. So how can so much come from so little? Well, the secret lies in that humility destroys evil might. Now, you've heard me say it so many times before, if you've listened to my preaching consistently, might makes right in a lot of people's minds. We all know that isn't true. But it does seem the path of least resistance for most of the powerful elitists. Do as I say, because I will make you if you don't. And if I can make you, it's because I have the authority to. And if I have the authority to make you do what you don't want to do, then I have the power. And if I have the power, well, then that must mean I am right. I know. Poor logic. But that does seem to be the go-to mantra these days with unethical leadership. Unfortunately for them, they misunderstand the power of humility. Usually when leadership is this corrupt, it is also reserved precariously for just a few elites over the vast majority. 
But the vast majority can quickly become unmanageable when they realize that evil might only has the power the humble consent to it. For example, if a bully came up to a group of kids and demanded their lunch money, he can only get that money if the entire group consents to giving it to him. Even so, if one says no, then he must use his power to take it, but also knows he may be facing more who are quickly doing the math there's only one bully and dozens of lunch patrons. Then it only takes one more to rally the group to lock arms in resistance to the bully. And the bully's task becomes impossible to accomplish as he sulks off the playground to find less able children to manipulate psychologically. The humble far outweigh the evil mighty ones. They just don't always know it. So God shows them through humble Bethlehem that he works through that humble means to defeat evil might. One of my favorite little girls at our church school here played basketball years ago. And she was little. I mean, little, little. She would come out on the basketball court and people would literally laugh out loud when she was announced to play. Now, the laughs and the giggles indicated nothing more than what I'd said before. You know, they always get picked last for the flag football or kickball games. They are sneered on at the football field. People make short people jokes about them. No one expects much from them or asks for much from them because, well, they're just plain little. So how can this tiny little girl make any meaningful impact in a game that thrives with taller-than-average people players? This week, our longtime coach of the girls' teams reminded me that after her first game, when everybody laughed at her, she was announced as a starter every game thereafter. And it was because the home fans were behind her all the way cheering riotously every time she stole the ball, every time she shot a basket, every time she even dribbled the ball because she could do no wrong in their eyes and her level of play rose to the level of their praise every game. I'll never forget my own father sitting beside me, yelling at the games even louder than I could, way to go, Gracie! And she would beam with pride every time he did. Little humble Gracie became great Gracie, with her fan base locking arms firmly behind her every time she faced her giant opponents. And honestly, they didn't know how to handle it. I mean, she would run circles around them looking for opportunities to swap the ball away. And if they disregarded a diminutive size for even a moment, that was when they made she made them pay for it. Because as soon as they thought they had outran, jumped, or dribbled her, she would come right back at them and take advantage of their carelessness, never guessing, well, she was coming again. This is exactly how our Father in Heaven dealt with the devil. In humble terms, Satan simply can't understand. If Jesus was prophesied to be born in a little town, well, then... The devil could just dispatch soldiers to kill dozens of boys in that little town and eliminate Jesus' rival right then and there. But after being warned by an angel, Mary and Joseph humbly escaped to Egypt. 
and lived humbly where they could not be found until the demon-possessed Herod passed on and Archelaus took the throne. They mimic Galilee, their home, out of reach of his authority. I don't know how hard Satan searched for him, but to Satan, the Messiah would most certainly be in the halls of power and not in the shed of a carpenter. And a Messiah would be regarded by kings, not surrounded by fishermen. And a Messiah would live in palaces and sit on thrones, not walk the earth with no place to rest his head or even call home. So the devil would have to wait until Jesus came onto his turf amongst the Judeans that wanted Christ dead. Oh, you would think that the humble masses that far outnumbered the Roman soldiers and temple guards would have locked their arms in front of their beloved Rabbi Jesus to save him. But just like we do with sin every day, they consented to Satan's bullying and even cheered for Jesus' humble demise at the hands of the Pharisees and the Sadducees' encouragement. Satan planned it perfectly and the Messiah was supposed to die, just like he wanted all along. The only problem for Satan is he didn't realize that this was the Heavenly Father's plan all along. For Jesus came to Jerusalem not to rule like the unethical leaders in the palace and the temple. No, he came to take a throne all of his own. And it was the kind of throne almost nobody would understand as a place of power, dominion, and authority. Rather, the most abject humility. But you, O Bethlehem and Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, in this case, the throne could never be mistaken for a great throne, rather only an implement of destruction for the most disregarded nothings society had to offer so they could be disposed of and done away with right there for good and then cast into a robber grave never to be considered again. But Satan didn't consider this one truth. Humility is always greater than evil might. For that cross is the ultimate weapon of humility is exactly what took Satan's might. For the cross was the means by which Jesus could make our humble just desserts away from us and then eat them on the cross for us. And then he swallowed the consequence of our sin. He proved to the world that we were no longer had to consent to Satan's bullying anymore by walking out of the tomb risen from the dead. You know, Advent is a little humbling. We celebrate the anticipating of the birth of our Lord who has come in order to die for our sins, but we also rejoice because he's coming again to take us where there can be no more sin. We didn't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. And in our arrogance, couldn't even see our need for it. So Jesus came to us, humbly giving us the only way we could understand our need for him by the Holy Spirit's humble opening of our eyes through a prophecy in the little town of Bethlehem. The one foretold in the Garden of Eden is coming. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock as Yahweh in our midst. And we will dwell secure in him, in the majesty of his name, Jesus as our, our God, born to die and rise from the dead for sinners who humbly acknowledge his salvation 
for them. Amen.